This is the Tiger Kickoff Podcast with your hosts, Emily Liker, Callum McAndrew, and Wilson Moore. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of the Tiger Kickoff Podcast for the 2021 season. We are your Columbia, Missourian MU football beat writers. I'm Emily Liker. I'm Callum McAndrew. I'm Wilson Moore. You're, you're, you're getting better at that whole intro of the... Uh, was the really puzzle soothing. of Columbia, Missouri, and Mizzou football. Yeah, it is difficult. It's getting a lot smoother. I've always struggled more though with the outro, as we know <laughs> from last week. So we'll see how we'll see how that goes today. But I feel calm after that intro. Thank you. That was very calming. I woke up violent this morning. Oh. Just like not like physically violent, just <laughs> with violence in my heart. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we're we're here to recap a, a very interesting weekend <laughs> for Mizzou football. Um, and then a very interesting also last six minutes, if we're being honest. Oh, um, yeah. So I don't know. I I think we should start with the obvious. The the coaching changes made over the weekend. Jeffro Franklin out. He's been replaced by Alfred Davis, who was a defensive analyst for the team. I mean, a lot of people were saying this on Twitter, but I know we've also kind of brought it up a little bit, or like I've talked with some of our editors about it. Like I think Pete brought it up. Is he a scapegoat? Did he actually deserve to be fired five games into the season? Where where do you guys fall on kind of that claim? That, that, that's tricky because there, there's an old saying that you can't fire the players, and that's especially true in college football. And it's, I think there is definitely pressure, whether that be, you know, external fans. I don't, you know, we don't know what was going on inside, but I, I feel like there's definitely a certain obligation one might feel to make a change when you're in a free fall the way Mizzou has been the last few weeks. And I think, yeah, I think to a certain extent, Jethro Franklin just, he was the guy. It, you know, they needed to make a change somewhere, and it ended up being him. He's making a lot less money than Steve Wilkes, less expensive to keep paying him throughout throughout his contract, and it ended up being him. With that said, the defensive line has not been good, so maybe there is something to that, but who knows how much of a difference a new coach will make. Yeah, and I mean, as of, as of Sunday morning, Missouri does have the last rushing defense in FBS, so... I agree. I think it falls on the defensive line. And while five games does seem like a short amount of time, also they haven't done anything to impress this season. So It's a bad sign when the only person that had a worse week than you was Urban Meyer's PR guy. <laughs> oh, God, we don't even that need, is... We do not need to get into Urban Meyer on this podcast. No, we don't, but we could. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to opt to no and well, move us along. To the next question, do we foresee? Okay. Do we foresee more, more firings, whether it be mid-season, whether it be end of season? Do we think someone else is going to get the boot? In the immediate future, no. I think they needed to make a move, and Jethro Franklin was that move. I think Steve Wilkes is very relieved it was not him because Drinkwitz was. Pretty non-committal after the game when asked, you know, is it time to make a uh, make a change at defensive coordinator? He didn't say no. Steve's our guy. He said, I just got off the field. I got to review the film. I, it's it's too early to say something like that. So he was, if nothing else, open to the idea. 
But I think for now that would be odd timing to make a move, you know, a week after this. But who knows? The season has been so weird. We'll see. I think you have to give them a chance now. I think you've, this this was their move. This was their their game-winning play. Um, or in their minds it was. I mean, we'll this, this uh, is... Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Oh, yeah, this is kind of, you know, flag in the ground like Jethro Franklin was the problem. Right. Whether that's fair or not is, is its own thing, but that's the statement Missouri is making with this move. With this move, they're saying it's not Steve Wilkes, it's Jethro Franklin. We're going to stick with Steve Wilkes and try to turn things around with a different defensive line coach with Al Davis. Because you made, you made the point there. I mean, 300 minutes of football under this new, you know, the two new coaches being Wilkes and Franklin is not a lot of time. That's yeah. not a lot of time to see what's going on there. Yeah. Um, so I think now they've made move they've they've uh they've shown their hand and i think they give wilkes a little bit of time I, I think they should i think if you're trying to implement a new system then i mean it deserves time uh but when something's not working in the immediate future then yeah i think this one made sense yeah and i i agree with both of you in that i think they definitely give him a couple more weeks if not the rest of the season see if changes i think it might get longer than that even if it continues to flail I, as it has been for the next been, seven weeks. They've been I think. so bad, though. They've been like, horrible. I don't see how at the end of the season, if even after you fired your defensive line coach, who you'd think would be the root of the running defense being so horrible, that then if it's still so bad by the end, you don't go for the DC. You know? I guess, but, I, I, I th- you know, when I think you're trying to make, I mean, they, I mean, this was a huge change that we're making. They were completely uprooting, overhauling the system, I think. I think you have to give Wilkes a little bit of time to to do that if he's got an idea in mind and if it's something that's worked for him in the past and he thinks it could still work. Whether they trust him enough for it to give him that time will be the question, but I I think you do. I think you give him a second season at least. Do we think... We we talked last week, I think it was, about the panic button that they said they weren't pushing. Where is it? Do we think that panic button has been pushed, not in regards necessarily to what's happening on the field, but what's happening off of it at all? And I say this... We we are not trying to insinuate anything. We're just merely making observations here about like what we've seen from players and availability and how the teams kind of conducted themselves post this game. Like, do we feel like there's any any weird mojo, weird vibes going on there with the team? Who wants to take it? I don't know. I mean, you know, we get we get seven minutes a week with these guys, if nothing else. You know, I can Say you know mood in um in like pressers after Tennessee was a little more laid back, a little more calm, for lack of a better word, than Boston College. Tennessee was an objectively worse loss, but Boston College was so raw it was a gut punch, and we were talking to them five minutes after that. Tennessee was something that happened. You know they knew they were gonna lose after the first quarter, and. So it's a little more subdued. They had a little more time to collect themselves. But I don't know. That's part of, you know, this team's leadership. You look at, you know, the captains, Basilak, Case Cook. They're both um, people who don't really panic a lot, you know. they very even-keeled, stay the course. So I think that at least partially feeds into what Drinkwitz and everyone else has preached, which, you know, don't push the panic button, stay the course, trust the process. feels like they've hit the demoralized button. The malaise button. Everyone's everyone seems sad. I just kind of want to give people hugs. Yeah, it was all just there. It didn't feel like there was like any 
emotion there following the game. Like, from my perspective, which, I mean, like, like you were saying, like, they knew they were going to lose that game early because you don't come back from a 45-point deficit very easily, <laughs> like, especially when those points are put up in one quarter. But, I mean, like, Drinkwitz was notably, notably distraught following that game, and I didn't feel like the players were quite on that level. So I don't really know necessarily what to make of that or, like, how that – could affect them moving forward. I mean, have, have you ever known Connor Bazelak to show emotion in press conferences? You know, and that's not, you know, it's not a diss on him. That's just, and again, we don't know his personality a lot just from those press conferences because we're only seeing a part of anyone we talk to. But what we know of Bazelak from those is that he plays things pretty close to the chest. He's not going to show a lot of emotion. He's not going to, you know, give some rousing speech. He's going to be, he's going to be short. He's going to be kind of generic, and he's just going to not say a whole lot. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a fair point and something that we need to keep in mind. But When, when things are going bad, the first thing you want to hear is monotone, <laughs> typically. that's I As a just, former college athlete, is that you're saying oh, that as abs, a former college athlete? I am saying that as a former college athlete. You know, if I had a bad day, the first thing that I want to pick me out of the hole to get me out of the dumps is one singular tone. Did you get interviewed a lot when you were like a college golfer? Oh, no, no, no <laughs> okay. never. I wasn't very good. Um, we can do this another time. We don't have to do this now. <laughs> okay. Let me, cut, let me prep a little bit. Let okay. me get my monotone voice on so that I can inspire the troops here. We'll come back to Callum's golf career on episode five of Ooh, the Tiger okay. Podcast. Right. So next week you can hear about that. But That'll bring in the viewers. Let's let's get into a little bit more about what happened in this. Actually, can I say goodbye to Jethro Franklin? Yeah. Through a series of Jethro Tull songs. Sure. Okay, Jethro. I'm sure they had their reasons for waiting. And nothing is easy. But we're no longer living in the past. Now, we used to know you. So cheerio. <laughs> That was five Jethro Tull songs in one stretch. I feel like we might need to cut that from the pod. We cannot cut that. That was incredible. <laughs> the producers have given me two thumbs up for that. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Well, anyway. I hope that was as stirring for you as it was for me. <laughs> Let's get into recapping this MU versus Tennessee game. I mean... It feels like so much has happened since <laughs> I know. I got, like... It feels like ages ago. And also, like... As we were sitting there during the game, we were all like, what is there to write? What is there to say? Because it's just the same things, and somehow they got worse. Like, Yeah, I mean, what what more is there to say? They got destroyed in the running game again. You know, we've said this four weeks in a row now. Only this time, the offense wasn't good either. Yeah, well, then let's focus on that. What okay, yeah. What went wrong with the offense? Wilson, what was the biggest did, thing? Did, what did, was the biggest this, right? thing that went wrong? Um, I think just the, the, you know they for so long they've had to be perfect, and and we've talked about this before how any mistake is magnified when the defense has been as bad as it's been, and we saw that to the extreme on Saturday. We saw an offense that wasn't all the way there that just didn't have it. Basilak wasn't at his best. The offensive line wasn't wasn't at its best either. 
Um, I th- Tyler Beatty didn't have a great game. He, I think that was part of the O-line. He didn't have a ton of space to operate. And they committed a lot of penalties. And all that added up to just the team as a whole getting thumped because the defense wasn't doing them any favors. And when the defense is allowing points on every possession, every time the offense doesn't score, you notice that. And when they have a bad game like they did today, which happens to every offense, but when they have a bad game, it looks really, really bad. And I think that's what we saw against Tennessee. A hundred percent. I mean, I think I mean I've described them as sticky quite a lot. That's kind of my that's my word of choice for describing Missouri. They stick around teams, but eventually the hole in the boat gets too big, and you can no longer spill water out of it. Mm. Eventually, you're going down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. What was it? The second possession of the game when those, they had those three, four holding penalties yes. back to yeah. back. That yeah. was definitely concerning. That was bad. And like they they've done relatively better with penalties this season. Like they haven't had a huge impact in any of their games. They certainly could be doing better with them, but that was particularly alarming to have that many back to back. And didn't Drinkwitz comment on that yesterday? Uh, he did. Uh, I can't remember exactly what he said. Case Cook talked about it a bit. He he didn't say anything real enlightening, but just that he said, he said, we've got to play better. And he said, I have to play better as, you know, a captain, as kind of one of the leaders of this offensive line said, starts with me and I have to play better, hold guys accountable as like the big thing they've been talking about, you know, not pointing fingers. We all have to do better. But yeah, he said it it starts with him is what he said, which I mean, it doesn't. It's it's, you know, it's. It's five guys on the line, but the sentiment makes sense that he's the leader of that team and he needs to set the example, if nothing else. Did he, did he comment on how he was feeling at all? Because I, this that was his first game back in like three, four weeks. So yeah, he he said I believe the exact quote was if I if I'm playing, I'm healthy. So he seems to be okay. We'll that's go. all. That's all we need to know then, apparently. Yeah. So, Callum, what were you gonna say? Oh, uh, I was going to say I remembered something from the, the Drinkwitz mm. comment on the holding penalties. And now it's not very interesting. Uh, it's that he recognized that they were all the correct calls. That's what I remember from that. So That is different than what than what Basilak said following the game on Saturday, which was, I don't know if they were picking on us or what. So, oh. so he was... I was unsure at that point, but they hadn't watched film yet, so I'm sure that kind of resolved itself. When I remember no, thinking just from the press box, one of them seemed a little iffy. The other two, I think, on that drive were pretty cut and dry. Yeah, I was. I didn't know he said that. That's that's kind of funny. I wasn't. I was just busy watching uh, Tennessee coaches and players smile like Cheshire cats. Yeah, well, that's fair. Yeah, happy for them, I guess. I don't know. I, good, no, good I, for you. You look happy and healthy. I like like Case Cook. Yeah. If I'm here, I'm healthy. Anything, I mean, again, like, it's hard to recap these games where the same things happen every time. I mean, there was just no standout part of Missouri's offense. Tyler Beatty only rushed for 41 yards and one touchdown. Missouri had less than 100 rushing yards in that game. I don't remember how many they had through the air, but, like, I don't know. What do you what do you say like what do you say about that? How do we go about like analyzing that? Because if, if this wasn't rock bottom for Missouri, then what is? You know, yeah. I don't I I don't I don't know how it could possibly get worse for this. Which I mean, I guess that's something good for Missouri. Like it can't get worse. No, than it doesn't get worse. Saturday, like mm-hmm. they have they have nowhere beast. to go. Yeah, 
they have nowhere to go but up after this. It, I, I, right. I've come up with some public acts of shame that should happen if you get nuked for 60 by Tennessee. Would you like to hear some? <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. Uh, okay. First one. Everybody should have to spend the bye week in Pigeon Forge or Gatlinburg, Tennessee. If you go to Pigeon Forge, you're only allowed to go to Dollywood for seven days straight. If you go to Gatlinburg, you have to go to the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. Are these like, are, are these all like I think they should be inside law. jokes from <laughs> your time in North Carolina? What? These are, does nobody I, know about, do, do you not know what Dollywood is? No, I know what Dollywood is. Why would it be a punishment? Because you're there for seven days straight on the oh. bye week. Oh, all right. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, you should have to listen to Rocky Talk by the Osborne Brothers That's all fair. the time and, in the locker room. appropriate after yeah. Tennessee. All players should be made to visit that stupid f***ing golden ball that Knoxville calls a landmark. <laughs> can we beep? Can we beep the podcast? You might just have to cut that one. <laughs> fair enough. Okay. I'm amazed I made it to week five. Four. <laughs> We made it. We made it without incident most of most of the time. But those are those are interesting. Do, I, do we want to move on to North Texas now? Well, yeah. I was gonna say a good transition point would be first talking about something you mentioned in your preview for last week. Does Missouri make a bowl game after losing to Tennessee? They're point four hundred right now. They're probably, and we'll get more into this in the preview, they're probably going to hit the 500 mark this week. At least it seems that way based on what they're going up against. But they have to get how many more wins for a bowl game? Four? Do we see that in their schedule? Confidently, do we see that in their schedule? Confidently, absolutely not. Yeah. (laughs) But I do think, I don't know if I've predicted this on this pod or just to you guys, I think of I still think even after that Tennessee game of that gauntlet of A&M, Georgia, Florida, Arkansas, I think they win one of those games because this team is weird and <laughs> it, ha- it has potential. We have seen how well this team can play especially on offense. And I can see it happening if it clicks. If yeah, something... I mean we we've seen that you know there are teams like Vanderbilt is not capable of beating Georgia. There is no scenario in which Vanderbilt was ever going to beat Georgia. They are not a talented enough team to do that. Missouri is. Missouri could catch some breaks. Missouri could come out hot, play well. (laughs) Maybe not Georgia. Okay, maybe not Georgia. I was like, like, really, Wilson? (laughs) Texas A&M, Florida, Arkansas. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? They could beat one of those teams. They have the talent to do so. Maybe you shouldn't have hung your hat on Georgia there. Well, I because Vandy <laughs> played them earlier, but so they it. were an obvious example. See, but my MU is weird thing. You never know what they're going to do. Is I would not be surprised if somehow they lost to Vanderbilt. See, I wouldn't either. But that's that's you have <laughs> so what like, is going on? Have we forgotten <laughs> what Vanderbilt is like? That's but that's the spectrum stop reading of this Clark Missouri Lee's team. SEC look, Media Day stuff. Look, they are not time, going to be the best team in the country. Last time Wilson and I went to Nashville for a MU versus Vanderbilt game. Very interesting trip for us. We won't get into the details of that. But we went in there confidently thinking that Mizzou would probably win. This was going to be an easy ga- gamer to write. Like, And they lost. So I, I'm not going in with any expectations to that game. It's just going to be a game. Between two football teams. Well, it is going to be a game. That's We can confirm that. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. I, like, I don't, I don't think I do. We, they scrape past UConn. 
I don't know. I, <laughs> but I think you dude, have not been I, around long enough I, to understand. Oh, all right. <laughs> Wilson, can you back me up on I mean, this? I, 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 yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, Missouri's weird. That's. I've often compared Missouri to Scotland soccer. Mm-hmm. Because in the past, Scotland soccer have lost to such giant nations as the Faroe Islands. Do you know where the Faroe Islands are? No. Like the, the ocean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, they are an island chain owned by Denmark, about 100 miles north of Scotland. And if you've looked at a map, you probably haven't seen it. Mm, interesting. We nearly got beat by Liechtenstein one time. You know where Liechtenstein is? If I lie down in Liechtenstein, at least one end of me is poking out the other end. <laughs> really? So that is my M- Missouri comparison is going so so i understand where you're coming from on this vanderbilt train a little bit but i'm not on a vanderbilt train i'm just on a you literally don't know what mizzou is gonna do so i'm not gonna bother being like yeah they're gonna get beat by vanderbilt they're gonna definitely win against vanderbilt either thing could logically and reasonably happen this is like the fifth time you've mentioned missouri getting beat by vanderbilt (laughs) just like all other times just in conversation I think you do. I think you think they're going to get beat by Vanderbilt. Hey, I was right well, about Tennessee. If I had to lean towards We're one, I think I would lean towards Wilson's take. That they're going to... They're going to surprise. Upset someone? Yeah. Well, that could happen too, and it could just be a trade-off, is that they get a win against a huge opponent and lose against Vanderbilt. That like, would be incredible. Wilson's face right now. What do, we, what do we think about North Texas? <laughs> I have no thoughts about North Texas. If you told me North Texas was actually in Oklahoma and they named it North Texas because it is north of Texas, I would believe you. You got nothing on the mean green? I've got no mean green thoughts. I have not necessarily, like, thoughts yet fully formed, but I have some, like, facts for us Uh, to share. Um, The mean green is 1-3 and currently. They won their first game 44-14, to but have not scored more than 17 points in any of the rest of their games this season and have allowed more than 20 in each of their losses. Ooh. That's it. Anyone got anyone? I mean, anything that's else? <laughs> encouraging for Missouri, I guess. I, I don't know what's encouraging for Missouri anymore. Nothing makes sense. I mean, this team was, they said it a lot, but it's true. Two plays away from being 4-0. They came very close to beating Kentucky, at least sending that game into overtime and really close to beating Boston College. We like imagine if they had won those two games and we're looking at a probably ranked Missouri team, 4 and 0, playing Tennessee and just getting demolished. That obviously didn't happen, but this is such a just aggressively weird team and tough team to figure out. They also got pummeled in those two games though. They did. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I get the two plays away from being 4 and 0 spiel, but like are they? Are they? Yeah. Uh, or also that, two plays away from getting demolished in both of those games. That, that, yeah. is, that is also true. Uh, Does, here's a question. Does Missouri have a, a finishing problem? I think they have a starting problem more than anything. Okay. I think, you know, because that was, they went down, uh, they were down 10 late to Boston College. They were down 21 to 7 to uh, Kentucky, and yep. they played better. In the second in the second halves of those games, I think, and I mean even uh, even against Tennessee, they just they got punched in the mouth from the beginning, yeah. and 
you know, they scored 24 points, which whatever. But I, I think their bigger problem has been starting, to tell you the truth. Even Central Michigan, they didn't start great. They won comfortably, but I think CMU took, like, an early lead in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. I don't remember exactly. But what do we what do we think the mentality is for them going into this? Because obviously the week they played SEMO, we joked a lot about the beat SEMO stickers and how that seemed pretty extra because... I've come around to love those. Okay, well, have we seen any beat North Texas stickers yet? I bet we will. It's homecoming week, so you'd think we would. Tigers got to get back to 500 somehow. Just what do we think, I mean, what do we think the players' mentality is going into this? Like, are they, like, so confident that it's going to hurt them? Do we think they kind of have a level head going into it? I mean, this is obviously all just predictions, but... I don't know that anyone can be too confident. uh, (laughs) Not on this team. No. No. It's hard to tell when you only get to talk to two people and then the coach, and then they cancel the second night of availability, so... Who knows? You know, I, I, I bet that solves all of their problems. Yeah, that's the fact that they don't have to talk to media. It's gonna make them feel a hundred percent better. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we did literally right before we started recording this. We we're recording on Wednesday for those of you who haven't uh, caught on now, and that's when we normally record these. But literally, like two minutes before we got counted down by our producers to start, we got an email that Ennis Rakestraw, cornerback, sophomore cornerback, is out for the season with an ACL tear. He tore it yesterday during practice. How much do we think that's going to impact the defense? Who do we think is going to replace him? That type of stuff. I think Allie Green and Ishberdeen are the two we're going to see more of. Um, They've both had kind of sporadic playing time so far. Um, Green didn't play at all against Boston College, but then started against Tennessee. Verdeen's been a little more sporadic. I think he's played in every game, but he's been in and out. So we're gonna we're gonna see one at least one of those guys just featured a lot more, and it'll be interesting because that was cornerbacks was one of the strengths of this team. Not against Tennessee, no one played well against Tennessee, but Rakestraw had played well, and Caleb Evans had played very well for um through the first five four or five games of the season. So we'll see, you know, maybe we'll see how they line them up, what we see from them. Missouri's ranking in total defense did take a, a jump down after this past week. I've do you want never to make a been guess? more shocked. Do you want to make a guess? Do you know? Do I know? No, I don't actually. Oh, do you want to take a guess to I've what they dropped to? I don't FBS teams. I will say I don't remember what they were last week, but I know they were higher than this. Where do you think they are now? Total defense. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, good question. I'm trying to figure out where they were beforehand. I think they were on... Page kind of, two, which would be like fifty-one through hundred. Okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go real bad. I'm gonna say one twenty-five. You're so close. One twenty-six. Oh. oh. Whoa. Yeah. The only teams behind them are. Let me pull it back up. I have it here. Oh. Oh yes, I love this. I love it when we. I know. See. I was who surprised. They, who I they thought could they would be worse than. Next I thought week. they would still be relatively high. Um. The only teams below them are FIU at 127. Oh, dear. Georgia Southern at 128. Double, oh, dear. Massachusetts at 129. No. And Arkansas State at 130. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So. Oh, it's so bad. Not great stuff from the Missouri defense right now. It's so bad. I was, correct me if I'm wrong, but did Drinkwood say yesterday that they also run like a high-tempo 
offense like yeah, Tennessee, yeah. do we think that potentially gives them an edge against this Missouri defense? Because they did Missouri did not handle Tennessee's high tempo offense well. Can we just repeat that? North Texas run an offense that is akin to the one Tennessee run. Did you just hear a Missouri fan yelp somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> that is frightening. The, uh, he said that, right? He, yeah. 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 I saw it on Twitter. They're not, they're not as there. fast, but they, mm-hmm. they, you wouldn't be surprised if they were going to pick it up. That's yeah. a paraphrase. But. I mean, Tennessee's offense was crazy fast. I remember those first fast. couple drives. I was like, it's, it was like it was, watching them like run like a two-minute drill for the entire game. It was, it was overwhelming just to watch. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was like giving me anxiety, yeah. like watching them run plays because they're all like sprinting to the line of scrimmage. But... I don't know. I feel like that potentially gives them an edge for sure. Yeah, I mean, the zoo played poorly against Tennessee, but it's it played poorly against Boston College too, who it, like you know huddles up, holds the ball. That's true. Wins time of possession. I don't. It's just. I mean, what we've seen so far, you beat Mizzou by running the ball, mm-hmm. and that is all you need to do. All we have been shown so far that is required to move the ball against Missouri's defense. Yeah. So, with that, should we do some score predictions? I think we should. We could. Does anyone have one off the top of their head? Because I have no idea what direction I'm Um, going. I'd like to issue a public apology for my prediction (laughs) last week, actually. It was so egregiously bad that I feel like I owe it to the community. Yeah. My parents. (laughs) Just the world. To Jethro Franklin. To apologize for my error. It was pretty bad. It was really bad. If I said Missouri were gonna just trounce them, yeah. I was so. You wrong. definitely had the, so the worst pick of the bunch. It was a really so, bad pick. yeah, it was a really bad pick. It was over like about five minutes into the game, mm-hmm. like impossible. So then I do think you have to go first with your prediction for this. One. Okay, I'm going Missouri 35, North Texas 24. Oh, so just what I picked last week. Is that what you pick? I don't know. I don't <laughs> review your picks. <laughs> Wilson, do you have one? It's actually very similar to mine. I've got Missouri 37, North Texas 20. Hmm. I was going to go Missouri 42, North Texas 27. Okay. Okay. So we all have Missouri winning then. Yeah. I mean. Uh, are we getting the producers in on this as well? What do we think? Logan and Cameron. <laughs> I've got oh, Missouri winning this one, 42 to 20. I'm going to go ahead this week, and I just don't really trust this Missouri defense too much, and th- their offense is going to have to get back around. So I'm going to say Missouri 30, North Texas 14. Ooh, a real good defensive performance then. Yeah, Cam- Cameron has quite a bit of faith in this uh, Missouri defense. Cam-, Cam believes in Al Davis is what <laughs> I'm getting out of this. Wilson, what was yours again? 37 to 20. So... All five people working on this Tiger Kickoff podcast do have Missouri winning. That's the first time that's happened, I think. Uh, we probably all surely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. If, Good I mean, didn't you see the beat Seymour stickers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did, yeah, for that game as they well. Didn't, uh, but that didn't inspire you to pick Missouri then. Just to read them all off again. I predict 42 to 27 Missouri. Yep. Wilson's got 37 to 20 Missouri. Callum's got 35 to 24 Missouri. Logan... 42 to 20 Missouri, Cameron 30 to 14 Missouri. So I've, we're all in the, a similar range. So I've got the narrowest margin of victory. I trust them the least. Yeah, that's fair. 
I think that's that's just you hard. trust their defense a little less than me, mm-hmm. which is also hard to argue. Right. Yeah, I think these are all very fair predictions I think for so, what yeah. this I think score so. of this game could be. Then again, we thought last week's score predictions were fair, and it was I had to apologize, and it was just not they were not accurate at all. So. Should we give a little preview, a little taste of what the Tiger kickoff stories are this week? I think we should. Ooh. Wilson, tell us about Michael Cox. Michael Cox is the power runner uh, that has come off the sideline a couple times this year, most notably against SEMO where he had a 55-yard touchdown run, and against Boston College in a close game where he got the ball on the goal line. The uh, number two running back behind Tyler Beatty has been pretty – inconsistent it was supposed to be elijah young and it hasn't been it could be anyone at this point including michael cox he was a high school wrestler got a preferred walk-on offer to missouri and is making the most of his chances so far nice nice and i have the cover story this week i'm running about blaze aldridge he's wearing aaron o'neill's number 25 this season which is obviously a big honor um, among the missouri team he he's a pretty cool dude i talked to like everyone in his family he comes from a pretty big family he has an interesting kind of backstory and like how he got to how like, where he is and like all of that stuff, you know, the good the good things that make a good story. I do have to say we have some really cool art being prepared for this story this. by our designer Sarah. So you will definitely want to pick up this story you in print. Absolutely have to get a hard copy of this. Yeah, it looks so cool. It's gonna be very pretty. So that will be out at the same time as can this I also, is on Friday. Can yes. I also shout out Sarah for her design work on the Mevis feature last oh, week. Oh, the Mevis, the it little grasshopper. Absolutely inc- praying mantis. Thank you. Or praying much. mantis. Sorry. Thank you. Please. Let's get our insects correct here. Okay, sorry. We're sorry. A, we're a factually insect correct. I don't even know how to put that. We get our inserts right here. We are also going to do a mail bag next week. It'll be mid-season. We'll be heading into the Texas A&M game. We'll have six. We'll have five podcasts under our belt for six games. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Making sure I'm doing my good math. My math right. Quick so math. we'll put up a tweet on. Twitter, that's where tweets go. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put up a tweet inviting you to send in questions for the mailbag. You can either do it on Twitter. You can email us. All our emails are on the... If if you tweet us anywhere else, we will not see it. Yeah, if you tweet us anywhere but Twitter, we won't see it. But you can send us things via email. Uh, See, I always start to lose it towards the end of the pod. Good, good timing for Factor Cap. Yeah, I was going to say, handing off the reins to Wilson now. (laughs) There's now time. For everyone's favorite podcast game. I would like to apologize for my performance last week again. Uh, bad week for me last week. Bad, really rough bad week. Really bad week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will not be apologizing for the question that Callum had an issue uh, with. <laughs> I have lodged a formal complaint with uh, our our overseers in the booth there. No, remember they said that the question was fine. They we said asked it was them fine, live on air. Look, I, on, on the pod. We, you know, we've just asked the question. We've just... In any case. <laughs> Logan's rules... typing, give it up, Callum, in the notes doc <laughs> right now, so. In any case, the rules, factor caps, same as any week. We have five facts about North Texas. Some of them are real, some of them are not. Emily and Callum will guess which is fact and which is cap. Right now, Callum has a 2-1 series lead. Emily took her first win last week, trying to build on it, trying to go 1-0 every week. Yeah. Feeling confident. Yeah. Any any comments before we begin, either of you? Uh, just uh, wish you all the best, and I hope the questions are fair. I don't wish you all the best. I hope, I hope that, that, that I win. Geographically accurate this okay. week. Okay. 
That was mean. <laughs> Go first, ahead, Wilson. First question, or not a question, first fact. North Texas has been in Conference USA since 2013. Before that, it was in the Sun Belt Conference. Fact or cap? Fact. Fact. That's fact. Wow, you guys were all over that one. Yeah, I knew that yeah. one. North Texas basketball plays in the UNT Coliseum, but is better known by its nickname, the Super Pit. That, that would be a great name. The super pit? That would be incredible. Pit makes me think like underground. So does it yes. have like a reputation for being like semi underground? Maybe it just doesn't smell great. I don't know. I I think it's probably the super something, but not the super pit. I'm going cap. <laughs> I would like it to be the super pit. Uh, but I, I, I agree with you. The super pit seems kind of silly. Yeah. As Wilson trying to say, yeah, I'm going to say cap here. You guys are both wrong. That is oh, real. Oh, come it is, on. It is, no, it is, its nickname is the Super Pit. Do you know I, why? I don't. Oh, I have okay. no information beyond that. Okay. Interesting. If you frequent the Super Pit, we invite you on the podcast next week to explain why. This one's just, this one's pretty basic, but. See if you guys have spent any time on the North Texas uh, athletics website. North Texas does not have a men's track and field team. Oh, come on. What are we? Got to mix up the uh, I, I'm going to go fact here. And I have reasons, but I'm not going to divulge them. I'm going to go cap. What, what are the reasons? I, I think it might be so certain places only have like women's golf teams for Title IX reasons. Um, so that they can have like a football program or something, so that everyone like the scholarships are shared out. Um, so that's like that's that, my reasoning. I like that Callum just mansplained Title Nine on the podcast. I was just giving out my reasons. Okay, okay. It's cap. They Let's do go. have pain. They don't have a Suffering. baseball team, which I, I found was going to say. What other male team? Because I was also thinking Title Nine, yeah. but we hadn't had any cap questions yet, so I was assuming that it had to be oh. cap, and another male team yep. was what they were missing. Good, good thinking. On it. Good thinking. Take the Damn. This next one is about North Texas football coach Seth Luttrell, who has previously competed against Missouri as a player when he was a running back at Kansas State. Fact. I'm gonna go fact as well. Oh, you're just gonna are you gonna share me out here? Is that what's happening? <laughs> well, it's cap. Oh, he did. He was a running back, and he did play in the Big Twelve, but he played for Oklahoma. What mm-hmm. a switcheroos this week! God, <laughs> just little uh, switches. Yeah, just, How are we supposed to know? Just... North Texas. They're the North Texas Mean Green. Their mascot, however, is an eagle. That eagle has had two names. First, it was Scrappy. Then during the Vietnam War, Scrappy was deemed too warlike, and it became Epi. It has since switched in the years since. It's been Scrappy for the last 26 years now. Epi? Like Epi. E-P-P-Y? E-P-P-Y. I'm going to go fact. I really want it to be fact. <laughs> I really want it to be fact. Uh, why would they name it Epi? Because of wartime. <laughs> why was Epi the better choice? Well, I mean, I have to go cap because you've gone fact here. Yeah, but even if you get it right and I get it wrong, we're tied then, right? And yeah. we have to have to do a tiebreaker? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I would, I, I would like to go cap because that's my only chance here. It Let's is see. fact. Oh, <laughs> tough scene. Uh, 
For the record, I would have gone fact if I know. it wasn't. That's, that is mainly why I chose yeah. it, because I knew you were going to want to go fact. And yeah. I had no idea, but I knew you wanted it to be a fact. So if I chose fact, you would get stuck choosing cap, and it was either going to send us to overtime or I would win. So The gamesmanship here. Just. Oh, well done. Thank you. Well done. Well, this has been episode four of the Tiger Kickoff podcast. You can find it. Anywhere that you've listened to podcasts. We are your Columbia, Missourian, MU football beat writers. I'm Emily Liker. I'm Callum McKendra. I'm Wilson Moore. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Tiger Kickoff podcast. This podcast is produced by Cameron Connor and Logan Franz. Music for this podcast comes from Alligator Indian. Catch us next week at ColumbiaMissourian.com or wherever you get your podcasts.